redemption story with their voices clear and strong when the redeemed are gathering in then the angels all will listen for they cannot join that song day that'll be when the redeemed are gathering in amen i i can just think of memories of growing up here and actually brother harold singing that song so many times before a service and when the savior will give orders to prepare the banquet board and that memory is in my mind god bless you brother harold and it's it's a it's a privilege to be here tonight and i, I feel very little to stand here but i appreciate the the ministry brother harold it's it's a privilege for you to be here sister leanne and all the work that you've done, and we, we really appreciate you. And we, uh, we appreciate the morning service and the, the testimony and the atmosphere that was in our home, back, back home, and all that's, all that's been. And I, I feel the nerves kicking in, so pray for me. But we welcome everyone into the presence of the Lord, wherever you are. And I, I remember the last month when we had spoke, I appreciated all the ministers except for Brother Moses. So I want to give a special appreciation and say, Brother Moses, we appreciate you. God bless you, Sister Sharifa. And, and we appreciate Brother Moses' encouraging ministry. It's such a good anointing and presence and uplifting ministry. And um, Happy birthday to Sister Bethia yesterday and Brother Caleb Hammermeister today. And I'm sure much could be said about Brother Ed's birthday on the 18th, but we'll leave you to text him and call him then. I wonder if we could just bow our heads this evening and go to the Lord in prayer. I want to speak tonight on a thought that's just working on my heart on liberty. And it strikes me to know that if I feel that, then that must mean that there might be someone that feels bound. Or there might be someone that feels sick. Or someone that's fighting in their mind. Or, and I just believe that God wants to move on that tonight, on how God brings liberty. Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you this evening and thanking you for the presence that's here already, Lord. The, my nerves are there, but I just give that to you. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. Lord, we're so insufficient. There's nothing that we could do without you. But when you come into the room, everything is different, oh God. And we want to welcome you into our room tonight, into our hearts tonight, into this place, into wherever we are gathered in the presence of the Lord. Lord, we want to invite the Almighty God to come down, the all-powerful God, the one that can change situations, that can touch hearts, that can set at liberty them that are bruised. Lord, we want to invite you tonight. I pray all the blessing on all the songs that have been sung. I pray the blessing on the words that be spoken now. I pray that you'd open my mouth to what to say and shut my mouth to what not to say and that your anointing would come and that, Lord, that you would set free, that you would deliver, that you would accomplish whatever you would set out in your purpose. Lord, we love you. We just want to give ourselves to you now that you would use us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. That's all the singing we'll do. I wonder if we could turn and 
In the book of James, there's two scriptures, chapter 1, verse 22, and James 2, we'll start at verse 8. My title tonight, well, I'll tell you my title after I read the scripture, how about that? James 1, 22. It says, be you doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. James chapter 2, verse 8. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if ye have respect of persons, you commit sin and are transgressed of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that, he that said, do not commit adultery, said also do not kill. If thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. And this is the verse that I'll focus on again. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. My title tonight is The Law of Liberty. God bless you. You can have your seats. The Law of Liberty. And I, I've had a thought that I've pondered on growing up for a number of years as I've grown up in the message, and I've grown up, and I've thought I would read this scripture in James on the law of liberty. The law of liberty. And I, I, I could never quite, I thought about it. What does that mean? Why would it say that? In James chapter 1, it talks about, uh, talks about laying aside all, all fithiness and superfluity of naughtiness and perceive with meekness the engrafted word and be endurers of the word and not hearers only. And then it begins to mention looking into, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer, I thought, what is the law of liberty? What does that mean? I'll say it sounds really strange. Law sounds restrictive. Law sounds like rules and regulations, and this is what's right, and this is what's wrong, and if you do wrong, there's judgment and a penalty. Liberty sounds like very much the opposite. Liberty sounds like freedom. No restrictions. Absolute liberty. So how could there be a law of liberty? That doesn't make sense, does it? Law sounds restrictive. Liberty sounds like my chains are gone. But it says, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So we'll, we'll look into that tonight. Now, in the message, the believer's position in Christ, it talks about Moses gone And we're talking about liberty tonight. It talks about Moses being in the backside of the desert for a number of years. And it says, Brother Branham says, Then Moses lost all hopes, the power that he had, thinking that freedom wasn't for the children of Israel. What a spot to be in. And it said he had lost all thoughts of freedom. And maybe someone tonight has lost all thoughts of freedom. Maybe someone has lost a thought of freedom in a certain area of their life where they say, I can't live that, or I can't overcome that, or I'm sick and I can't seem to get well. Tonight we want to bring back thoughts of freedom, that you can go free, and that there is a law of liberty. In the Old Testament, now I'm just going to set the stage a little bit. In the Old Testament, we see that there was laws set out. The Ten Commandments that were set out, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And then after that, and, 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 and throughout the first five books of the Bible, there was these laws that were straight out that you had to do this, and you couldn't do that, and you couldn't eat this, and you couldn't mix this thread with that thread, and it became so restrictive. It felt, in our humanity, it would have felt so restrictive. It would have felt like, and, and it was actually unlivable for a human to do perfectly right. You couldn't do it. It was, it was in a way that would have felt restrictive. It would have felt like it would have been so hard to live. But God had a provided way and a sacrifice in order to let you live it. But the law felt so restrictive. Certainly it would have felt like such a burden to live the law. Probably, no? In our humanity. It couldn't have been kept. It would have felt hard. But I'll say when there was a love for God... And when there was a love for 
Jehovah, it was different. There was something else that came in when you really fell in love with Jehovah that was leading you with the pillar of fire. And when there was a life that began to come inside of you, it was different. And yet the law was hard to live. But God had a provided way. Even before that, in the Garden of Eden, there was let set out a law. Don't eat. You can eat of all of the trees. Here's all the things you can do. But that one tree, you can't eat it. You can't touch it. Lest you die. And what is the penalty of any law that God had set out was death. As soon as you broke a law, there had to be, you had to die. Or something had to take your place. So the law was so restrictive in the sense that there was this sense of impending judgment if you did wrong. The law was something that was harsh, seemingly. The law was something that was a set of rules and a set of regulations. That was the Old Testament law and how it could have felt in humanity. But I'll say when we love God, it doesn't feel that way. But in our humanity, it can feel that way. The law, even in today's world, laws, regulations, when we think of the word law, we hear, we, we think of, you know, don't speed and don't do this and don't do that and business regulations and pandemic regulations and all kinds of things that are set in place that feel restrictive. When we think of law, we think of restriction many times. We think of something that holds us back and binds us and doesn't let us do, have freedom. It feels that that's what it is. And, 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 and even, I'll say, a law, in order to be a law, has to be enforced. It's not a great law. I am not a parent, so I'm not going to pretend to, but I'll pretend for one second. I imagine if you give your kid a rule and you don't enforce it when they break it, it's not really a rule. Or not a great one. Don't disobey your parents, or don't disobey your parents, children. But there has to be some kind of enforcement or penalty to it. Otherwise, it's not really a law. A law has to be enforced. So the law of God was enforced by death. And yet it would feel like such a restrictive thing, but I find it so interesting that David would write in Psalms chapter 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night. And that is an Old Testament law. That's not even in under the grace that we're under. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His life also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Solomon would write in Proverbs 31 about a great woman and how that she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. So law could have more than just rules and regulations and restriction and a negative impending sense of judgment. There's something more that could be there. There could be a law of kindness. There could be a law of love. There could be a law of something that would be beyond what we think of. We know that we used to be under the Old Testament law. How many believes that? There was, a, there was a time in the Old Testament where there was the law, but Jesus Christ came along with something. And that was the perfect sacrifice. And we know that, I'll say this, and I was, we were saying this to the young people on, on Friday, what is the proof that what we believe as Christians is even true? What is, the, what is the proof that what we believe as Christianity is better than Islam or all of these things? How could, if someone were to ask you and say, I, I don't believe in Christianity and you can't tell me otherwise, what could you tell them? What could you say? Well, you could point to the scripture. Well, if they don't believe it in the first place, what would you say? I would say, what does it produce? What does your religion produce versus what do I believe produce in my life? In Islam, they have a set of rules and regulations and they have people that pray five times a day and they work so hard to live a certain code of ethics. In the, the Buddhists, they have their, their you know, love of creation or whatever it is. But in Christianity, as, although the law of the Bible is set here and it is unlivable in one sense, it gives you a life to live it. So that Christianity, why is it true? We know it's true because it produces a life that you couldn't live by just being a monk or by doing the things that you would just hold yourself to something that some Buddhist monk might do, but they still couldn't do it. They wouldn't even love it in their heart. But not only do we love our faith, love our God, love this message, it lets us live it. 
That's the proof of what we live, is the resurrection power that's in it. Now, Jesus Christ came and died as a perfect sacrifice and did away with all of those Old Testament, well, came and fulfilled the Old Testament law and actually magnified it. And, and it, would, it would write in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, what Jesus' purpose was. And that is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath set me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus came to preach liberty. He came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which was jubilee, that you can go free, that I can go free, that no matter what binds us, no matter what holds us back, no matter what takes us in our mind or takes us in our body, there's a freedom and a liberty through what Jesus Christ paid for. And it proves Christianity. When he rose from the dead, it proved that what he was saying and what God was saying all along was true because now there was a man that had died as a perfect sacrifice, said that he could raise again, and he did it. And so then he can come back on us and we can have faith in overcoming. But I look at this scripture in James and I still scratch my head a little bit. It says in James chapter two, it says, so speak and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. How can it be the law when we're under grace? We're under grace now. God has paid our liberty. Why would you call it a law? Why would you call it a law? That sounds restrictive and it doesn't sound like it fits with the other one. It says in James 1.25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, continue it therein, he would be blessed in his deed. Law and liberty do not seem to go well together. They seem like something, they, they seem like things that are so opposing. In Romans chapter 3, I want to I start to look at that. If we can, turn to Romans chapter 3, verse, eight, verse 19. Paul is talking about the, you know what? No, we'll go to verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, talking about the law, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may be guilty before God. That sounds like that judgment. That sounds like, and we think about the laws and rules of society. Law is set out just the same way, that every mouth might be stopped. When, when someone is convicted of a crime, they can go to the first court and the law says that they're guilty. They could appeal it to a higher court and a higher court, and eventually the ultimate law, the Supreme Court of whatever nation, will stop all mouths and say you're guilty or you're not, and that's it. And judgment is set, and either you're free or you're guilty. And the law of God is the same way. All mouths are stopped at what the absolute says is right and is wrong. But here he's talking about a law that makes all the world guilty before God. The Old Testament law. Therefore, by the deeds, and I'll say by the, the law of sin and death that still works today. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But is now the righteousness of God without the law, but now the righteousness of God without the law, so now he seems to move past the law, seems to, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ. Oh, good. Okay, now it seems we've moved past from law and we're talking about faith. It seems that we're moving towards liberty. The faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference, for that all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And I believe we can all say that. Being justified freely by his grace, justification freely by his grace, there's freedom. By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Then he makes an interesting verse. Where is boasting? It's excluded. You can, no one can break. No one's perfect. We all know that we cannot live it. There is no boasting. It's excluded. And how is it excluded? 
by the law of works? No, we could never have the law of works justify us because we can't keep up. But then he says, by the law of faith. So maybe a law could be different than what we think it could be because now he's putting faith, which to me looks like liberty, leads us to our healing, leads us to our deliverance, leads us to claim the promises of God, and he's calling it a law. But by the law of faith, maybe there's something in there that we have to look at just a little differently to get that right. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision of faith and uncircumcision through faith. Then he says this, do we make void the law through faith? Do we make void and leave all the things of the Old Testament, all the things of, do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. He says we establish the law. And yet in our mind, if we stop and think about law, 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 it still sounds like rules. It still sounds like do's and don'ts. Dress right, do right, live right, act right. Don't do wrong, death. Don't do wrong, death. But here's Paul talking about establishing the law. What law are we establishing? What law are we establishing? In Romans chapter 7, I wonder if we could turn to Romans chapter 7. We'll start right at verse 1. Paul will pick up the train of thought here. Paul says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. As long as we live under the law of sin and death, as long as we give ourselves members to uncleanness, as long as we give ourselves to the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the things that pull us down, the things that send us to defeat, we're under that law. And in our flesh, in our unredeemed bodies, we live under that law of sin and death. This body is dying. It is growing old now, but one day it won't. One day it won't. And there's an inside man that isn't growing old. But in our sin and f in our flesh, it's unredeemed. When a man is alive, he's under the law as long as he liveth. Verse 2, for the woman which hath an husband, and keep this, let's think about it in the spiritual sense, for the woman, which is the church that has a husband that is, is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. So she's bound by a law to her husband as long as, she's, as long as he's alive. But if the husband be dead, there's a provision in the law that sets her free. So there's freedom in the law. If she be bound by the law, so as long as she liveth, but if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law. So that she is no longer, she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For then we were, we were, when we were in sin, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring fruit, forth fruit unto death. We know what it's like to live bound. I think anyone that's been, any human knows what it's like to be bound by the things of our flesh. The weaknesses, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We know what that's like to be bound. The motions of sin that work, they work according to the law of sin and death because Eve fell. But there's more to it. In verse 6, it says, but now we are delivered from the law. So it talks about being delivered from a law. But don't forget, we're still talking about a law of liberty. That being dead wherein we were held, we should serve in newness of spirit and not in oldness of the letter. And I want to point out this. It says, we're still serving in newness of the letter. What is our freedom and what is our liberty? It still has a mention of serving. In, Rome, in verse 18 of Romans, it says this, For that I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. 
For to will within me is present. For, will, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good, we know this passage well, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in. We, we have such a fight within our own mortal flesh so many times that would hold us back from the things I know I need to pray, or I know I need to do this, or I know I need to send a message to encourage someone, or I know I need to get encouragement myself, and yet I don't. Whatever it would be, and yet we don't do it. And then the things that we don't want to do, the lust of the flesh, all of those things that can come in after us, or even just the doubts in our mind. Maybe we're sick and we need our healing. Maybe our loved ones are out and we need them saved, and we can get the doubts in our mind, and we don't want them, but there they are. We're in the flesh. I find then a law, he says, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Let's always remember that. When we're looking to do good and it feels like something goes wrong, don't get discouraged. Paul said it was a law that when I would seek to do good, evil is present. When you seek to come to church, the car might break down. Come to church anyway. When we seek to do this, the devil is there to discourage. But then he says this, and he calls it a law, for I delight in the law of God. A different law, a bigger law, after the inward man. When the Holy Ghost comes into your life, it burns you out. It takes all of those desires away. It sets you free. And he calls it a law of God. And then he says, but I see another law in my members Warring against the law of my mind. So he talks about a law of God in the inward man and a law of his mind. Bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says, Now where the spirit of the, now the Lord is that spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is liberty. And I have a question. What is the law of liberty? How can that be still when you have something that says you're free? You're free to go. There's a law of God. And then we have a law of sin and death that keeps us bound, that we fight with in our flesh. There's a law of God. What is the law of God that sets us free? When, the pow- when, the, when Jesus Christ died on the cross... He died and rose again to quicken us, to, make, to bring alive after death, to set us free from all the things that hold us down. In Romans 8, I wonder if we can look at Romans 8. Chapter, chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, There is now, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That is the law of liberty. But what is the law of liberty? A law not only sets out the do's and the don'ts, it sets out the do's. And when the Supreme Court, it could find you guilty. But if the Supreme Court finds you not guilty, you're free, and it's mandated. The law has a power behind it. It enforces your freedom. No one can tell you you're not free because you're free. And the, the word of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God has come down to say you're free. And not only are you just free and in liberty, and justified, and sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, I have a law that says you're free. I have a law that says the devil can't touch you. I have a law that says I'm going after every one of our loved ones that God has called and predestinated. There's a law that goes out, and Brother Branham would say that the Holy Ghost is the enforcement agent, the agent that goes out to enforce the claim that's made. What is the law of liberty? It's a law that enforces your freedom. It's a law that sets into motion the fact that you can overcome, that you can live what you're supposed to live. And if you say you can't, you're going against what God set out was a law. We're discrediting what the cross did for us. It mandates your freedom. You have to be free because the law says you're free. 
Romans 8, let's keep reading. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law, that's the side we want to look at, the righteousness of the law, the good side of the law, might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's the battle. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. And neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. The law of liberty is the Holy Ghost living in your life, mandating your freedom. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, if that spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead, the one that that, that spirit that raised him up and proved the resurrection, proved our religion and our faith, dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say quicken your mortal body or quicken your spiritual body into a rapture. And I say that carefully and I'll, I'll qualify that. It is quickening us into a rapture. The rapture is not the event that will, it's bigger than that. The rapture will be finalized with the event where we're taking away. But the rapture is a process now. And it doesn't say quickening your spiritual body. It says quickening your mortal body. So that means it's quickening your mortal body now, if you let it. If you believe it, once you're brought to life after death, you're quickened. That means that your mortal body comes into subjection to the word. That means the weaknesses that we say, well, I can't overcome it. It's in my flesh and it's passed down from my family. That's an excuse. God does not have excuses. He said he would quicken your mortal body. Bring it into subjection to the word. What did the people on the day of Pentecost realize? I was thinking, Brother Max mentioned this on Wednesday. What did they realize? We think in the, in the day of Pentecost... That they, the, 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 and it's true, the, 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 the tongues of fire came down. They were all in one mind and in one accord. The Holy Ghost fell and they went out and they were preaching the gospel. But when the new birth comes, Brother Branham said, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. You realize something. You realize your spot in this day and age. You see Jesus Christ personally to you. You see where you stand in time. It's accepting the word for your day. So what did they do? It wasn't just that there was an anointing in the room. It couldn't have been. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. It doesn't change them all. The anointing and presence of God can come into a room. The anointing and presence of God did come in the upper room, but it was more than that. It came and they realized something. They caught a revelation of who they were. That man that they had been following for three and a half years, they realized this is God. And they had, knew, they had known it, but then they knew it because it became personal to them and they saw, I'm supposed to carry that life on. They began to see that man that we've, we've, we've eaten with and we've slept with, now he's inside of me. And he's living in me. And I see, uh, they, they, were, they went into the upper room scared. They were running to get away from all of the, the, the Pharisees. and all. They were, they, were, they were scared and they were nervous and afraid. But when they realized where they stood in time, when they realized the word for their day in revelation and not just knowledge, suddenly they were peeling out of the windows and they were coming down the steps from the upper room preaching, repent and be baptized and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And there was souls added. They realized something. Something became alive and real. It wasn't just an anointing. It was something that came all the way down into the soul and lived from them. And what did it do? It quickened their mortal body. So much so, they were speaking in another language. You want to talk about quickening of your mortal body when you start speaking and someone hears you in a different language. 
That's your mortal body being quickened. When you lay your hands on someone and the sick are healed, that's your mortal body. This, these five senses that we still fight with and war with, it's becoming quickened and becoming taken over by the power of God. There's no excuses for sin, and I don't say that in a condemning way. I say that to say there's no excuses. How could we be scared of the devil? There's a law that says you're free. There's a law that says you're saved. There's a law that says you're forgiven, that you're going to make it, that there's no losing. There's nothing that can hold you back when, there's the, when the law of liberty is set in motion in your life. It quickens even your mortal body. We don't want to think about the law of liberty as a set of rules. The Holy Ghost is a scary thing that makes me live. Think about it as the law of gravity, an undeniable force that you can't change. The law of gravity, it's going to fall at 9.81 meters per second squared. And the law of liberty, you're free. And it doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what the devil says. That's the law of liberty. The law has a power and an enforcement behind it. It sets you free. It keeps you free. It's one thing to have a law that would put you in jail. And it's another thing entirely to have a law that mandates your freedom, that you can go free. Brother Branham would say, now Satan by the laws of sin and death makes everything that sin and death brought to operate to Satan sent that makes everything that sin and death brought operate to Satan sends a cancer. The man recognized it, receives it. Satan sends heartaches. We recognize it and receive it. And if Satan by his power can make his laws work in man, how much more ought God with his power make his laws work in man? If Satan can make his laws be sure and us recognize it, how much more ought God to send to his children to make his laws be recognized among his people of divine healing? Revelation, power, gifts, manifestations of the Spirit. The law of sin and death works in the people. And he says, and the law of liberty of Christ has come to set us free of those things. So I believe this with all my heart. I believe we're nearing the age when people are going to recognize these things. Brother Branham says in the message, speak to the rock. The devil hates me and I, knows he, and I know he hates you too. And for the record, I hate him too. And he's my enemy. But as long as God's my friend, I don't have any fear of him. I just drive him right on back. Take the word of God and move him right back out of this. Out of the place that he thinks he's a holding. He hasn't got no strongholds. He's absolutely legally defeated in every place. Legally defeated. Because there's a bigger law. The devil hasn't got one legal right at all, nowhere. He's just the devil and a password. That's all. He hasn't got no legal right to any man that'll accept the promise of Jesus Christ. He's whipped. He, yes, sir, he's whipped in sickness. He's whipped in disappointments. He's whipped in everything. He's whipped in death. He can't scare me. He can't scare you. That's all he is, is a big old shadow. He might as well just get on down the street. I just seen his red light go over the hill a while ago, didn't you? He's gone. Yes, sir. Brother Branham says, the promise is yours. What is, what's the thing that holds us back? If there's something in your mind, I, I, I came with this thought, the law of liberty. What would hold us back? What keeps us from liberty? Keep that in your mind. The promise is yours, Brother Branham says. But if you ever get it, you ain't going to get it easy. He says, I'm going to tell you that. You're going to have to take it away from Satan. Now, if, if the law set out that something was yours and someone else had it, we'd go take it. Is the, the simple, I could probably have a whole example there, but I think you get it. We would go take it if the law said that that was ours. You're going to have to take it away from Satan. Satan captures your health. You've got a right to go to Satan and say, give it back, hand it over. I come in the name of the Lord, the possessor of heavens and earth, and I'm his heir. Give it back. He says, you took my child, you got her mixed, her up, mixed up with the wrong boy, you took my boy and mixed up with the wrong girl. I claim them. That's right. I claim my children. I claim my brother. I claim my sister. Yes, Satan, you've took them from God's house, coaxed them out there, but I'm coming back after them. I claim them. 
Well, how you know? I'm an heir of all things. All things. Amen. It's given to me. I'm an heir. I can claim everything that God promised me. Amen. There you are. It's mine. How do you get it? Something you done? No, sir. It's not a law of works. It's the unmerited gift that God gave us, and it's ours. It belongs to us. Satan cannot hold it. If you go to him in the scriptural, authoritative word with faith to say, it's mine, lay it down. Amen. Glory, I like that. Satan, you lay it down. You took it from me. You give it back because I'm serving notice on you. I've got the notice written down right here on the word. Heavens and earth will pass away, but this notice shall not. We should never be scared of the devil. I, I'll just share this. Maybe it's a personal thought, but when, when I was asked to speak for the first time, I was walking around in my living room. I, was, I work at home, and I got in a text, and you, you, you wrap your mind around the concept of it. And, and Satan said something to me. He said, you know, if you do that, a target's on your back. I thought about it. And then I chuckled, and I said, no, Satan, a target's on your back. I'm not backing down to any devil. And you aren't either. We're, none of us are backing down to the devil. The devil will tell you, a target's on your back if you serve this gospel, if you serve this message. He'll say that, I'm going to make it harder for you. There'll be depression. There'll be disappointments. No, the target's on his back. The law of liberty lives in me. The law of liberty lives in you. We're free. There's nothing that he can do. And I'm not scared of him. And that probably scares him. Brother Max was preaching on Wednesday night, a people on the loose. And I thought, there's a people that are on the loose, free. We've got a mandated freedom. We're on the loose. He can give us cancer. We overcome it, and we keep going. And then we tell a testimony about it. And then he's, his kingdom is shaken. We can be bound by something in our minds or in our bodies. We can go free. And then we go testify of it. Brother Brandon would also talk about how those sins that the devil has made you commit go back on him. And I believe the sicknesses do too. That devil's got a lot of cancer. That devil's got a lot of depression. That devil's got a lot of disappointments. The things that he's tried to put on you go back on him. You know, we think about hell as a place where they're maniacal and they're, they're, they feel like they've, they've almost got an upper hand and they're trying to defeat the bride of Christ. No, ever since the cross happened 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of hell is shaken every day. If you think that the weakest, the Bible says the weakest Christian that gets on his knees... So what about the strongest? And what about everyone praying all the time? The kingdom of hell is doing nothing but shaking all of the time. That devil is so small. That devil is so defeated if we can believe it. If we can just take God at his word. If we can just let go to our own thoughts and our own fears and our own failures. Well, I've tried before. I've done this. I've done that. God's come to set us free. Satan is bound by a law. Light always overcomes darkness. There's a law. Life always overcomes death. When life comes into you, when the Holy Ghost comes into you to reign, it overcomes the death. The only way that death comes is when life leaves, just like light and darkness. The only way that darkness can happen is if life leaves. It's an absence of light. And death is an absence of life. Where God is, you have to be free. You have to be living according to what God has laid out if you believe it. We can get so bound down and we can get halfway in our minds though. The song that God had given me a few years ago, A Halfway Life, and I wrote it because that's what I had, was living and had lived and had gone through and different things. And I, I know what it's like to live not the way I want to live. I know what it's like to, to grow up in the message and not live the way I know I'm supposed to. And I, I think Brother Ed said it growing up. The most miserable kind of life would be to live a life where you know what you're supposed to live and not be able to. And you know. And you can't get there. But when God comes... It's amazing. He can change things that you can't overcome yourself. He can turn life, life situations, different things right around in a way that the devil can't touch you. 
He can try, he can pound away, he can bring back your memory, he can bring your imagination, your conscience, your affections, your reasons, all of those things. But there's a law of liberty inside that just keeps living. It keeps going and the devil doesn't know what to do. And I'm so glad he doesn't know what to do. Let the law of liberty live in your life. Let it live, let it reign, let it go into all the rooms in your heart. Those, that area, I was, we're talking to the young people on Friday, let, when Jesus comes into your room. And many times, Brother Brandon would preach a door and a door and how there's the door of pride and the door of self-will and the door of my private life. And many times we have that one room in our life, that one room in our heart with the skeletons in our closet that we don't know what to do with. That one spot where we're, we're ashamed of. That one spot where we can't seem to, or a memory or a complex, complexes can get so big. Someone says something, this happens, and suddenly we've built a whole complex where Jesus is not scared of that little closet. He wants to come in that closet. He's not scared of coming into that room. If you'll let him in that room, he'll come from top to bottom and he'll clean it out. If he has to knock back some walls to make the room bigger, if he has to repaint it, whatever he has to do so that he can take control of it. God is not scared of coming to set you free. He wants to. God wants to give you the Holy Ghost more than you many times want to receive it. He wants to. Let the law of liberty live in you. Brother Branham says quicken it. What does the word quick mean? The Greek word means to be brought to life after death. Hallelujah. There's the gate of worship. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Mechanics and dynamics together. Brother Branham would also say the trouble is we don't know we're free. Or he would say, and I looked yonder, there it is. As far as God's concerned, it is finished. From the cross. The price is paid, you're free. That's what the trouble with people tonight. They don't know they're free. So I'm coming now to say, you're free. Can you see it? There's a law that has set you free. There's something, like the crow that used to be tied up. He had been invading the farmer's field, and the farmer didn't like him very much, so he tied his one leg down. And he had to walk in a circle because there was one leg tied down and he couldn't get anywhere. And one day he was set free. And his buddies came along and wanted to take him. And they wanted to go fly away. And he, I, but he didn't know he was free. And we can do that over and over again, walking in our own rut or walking in our own thing or our own mind, our depression, our imagination, whatever it would be. But you're free. If we can let go and just believe it. I was thinking about how if we can begin to praise him now for our liberty. You know, when Lazarus was made alive, he was still stuck in grave clothes for just a little bit. Remember? He was alive. He was perfectly alive. And I think about if you come to an altar and you, you know that something happened and yet you're still feeling bound. John, the law of liberty. If you say that I still don't feel quite like I'm get, getting a whole lot of liberty, it might take a couple minutes. It might take just a little bit of struggle. You might have to fight with the grave clothes just a little bit. Lazarus was alive, but he walked out. It says he had a napkin on his face and he was bound hand and foot. I don't know how he managed to sit up, and, but he managed to get out. They rolled the stone away, but then it said, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let it go. When there's a life that's in you, it will overcome the grave clothes. Let the life keep living. Keep feeding on it. Let it live through you. Give it some time. Give it some space. Give it some access. Let the word of God feed on it and it will grow and it will set you free. Galatians 5 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Romans 8, 1, one more time, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but the law of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, we know we don't have power, and I'm coming to a close slowly. We don't have power, but we have authority. What's your need? What's your cry? You can set in motion what God has laid out by claiming it, by saying, God, I know that your word says this. I know that your word says thinking about a lost loved one or something. God has made a way for that. If we begin to imagine what that feeling, I think about Brother Jerry or Sister Marianne, people that have prayed for their loved ones, start to imagine what that moment will be like 
to see your loved one at an altar or in a baptismal tank and start praising God for it now. God acts on that. God can act on that. I watched, there was a baptism in Saskatchewan just this morning too. Little testimony, I don't know if you know Jesse Fair, one of Brother Dwayne Fair's nephews. He had went out into the world, I don't, he's about my age, went into the world, got married, married a girl from denomination or something like that. This morning, he got baptized and his wife did too. What does that feel like for Brother Dwayne or for his own parents, a young boy that never quite got it? And, and grew up, but kind of grew up halfway and then left. Married some girl and left. And God comes. And God doesn't forget. And God has a perfect plan. And I was watching that video as it was sent. Him in a tank, and I, I've known him from maybe years ago or just his face. God still saves. God is going after the prodigals. God will go after the loved ones. God can't come back until everyone is in that needs to be in. Don't give up faith on that. I can also think about the government restrictions. John, I don't feel a whole lot of liberty under these government restrictions. Don't worry about that. That's not our kingdom at all. We can say, well, we need liberty on earth. No, you don't. You say, what do you mean, John? Brother Branham says, right now it is a spiritual kingdom. It is not of this world system, even as we are not. Well, we want, more, we want more liberty. Don't get me wrong. We want more liberty. I want to see this church packed out. God will make a way. But it's not for us to get worked up about that. It says it is not a, of this world system, even as we are not of this world. That's the reason we act different from the world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We reflect the spirit of the world of our rebirth where Jesus is the king. That is why our women do not dress in men's clothes or cut their hair or use all the cosmetics and other things that the world likes so much. That is why our men don't drink and smoke and carry on in sin. Our dominion is the dominion over sin. That's our liberty. The restrictions, the government, they can have their kingdom. It is through, our dominion is the dominion over sin and it is in force through power through the power that is in the spirit of Christ that indwells us. Every kingdom on earth, every restriction, everything that the world has, all of their sin, all, it will be torn down and ours will, be, will remain. I wonder if we could ask the musicians to come as I slowly wind down. Galatians 5 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. But it says an important part to it all, because we can think freedom, that means my rights, that means I can do what I want, that means I can, it says, Galatians 5.13, only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. As much as there's a law of liberty, it subjects us to our brother, it subjects us to our sister, it brings us into submission, it brings us into a spot for all the law. Watch this. All the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you're led of the spirit, you're not under the law. In verse 24, it says, And they that are Christ's have crucified with the flesh, the, crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. I don't know if you can play something softly. I'm not sure what. But Brother Branham says in the Easter seal, many of my inspiration came from the Easter seal, and it is the rising of the sun. Two amazing messages to listen to. Brother Branham says, what is it? The quickening power coming to the church, making her ready. This hour that we're approaching, quickening power. Oh God, help us to receive it. Help us to believe it. It, dep- it just depends on what attitude you take towards it. I've never been free or I've never been, 
What attitude do we have towards it? The right mental attitude towards every divine promise of God will bring it to pass. What attitude towards you have it? Is whether it's going to do you any good or not. You have to believe that. You don't believe it, it won't do you one bit of good. Brother Branham would say in the Easter seal, so Jesus, so full of this quickening power, said if you can destroy this quickening, if this temple, here's the other part. Jesus would make a claim to the Pharisees. If you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up. That's an, quite a claim, even if they really knew what he was talking about. If they knew he meant, kill me and I'll raise up. That's quite a claim. But I'll make a claim. I can live over sin. I'm going to go on a rapture. Am I perfect? No, not even close. But God's grace is there. God's mercy is there. But more and more, I'll say, to be, it falls away. And this falls away. And that falls away. And we walk a little closer and, a little, and God's grace covers us. But how can I make that claim? Jesus made a claim. If you destroy this body, I'll raise it up. Why? Why could Jesus say that? I want to ask you, Brother Branham says, why could Jesus say a thing like that? He knew what he was. Amen. I wish I could make that stick. He says, he knew who he was. He knew that every word God had wrote in there of him, he had fulfilled it. He knew he was the one that David had spoke of. And do you know that you're the one that Brother Branham was talking about? A bride that would take a rapture? Do you know, Brother Branham says, do you know that you're the ones the Bible speaks of? Do you know your position is in Christ? We make mistakes. We fall. I fall over and over again many times you sit there and you still say why do I still do this but God help me to let the law of liberty live in me God help us to let it live in us it's there is it always perfectly alive no I feel like that's why we have to point it out and say it's there it means you can go free it means that there's there's no room for the devil anymore though tomorrow I'll mess up. So will you. It's just the way it is in the law of the sin of the mortal flesh. But God is there to say, there's more liberty. There's more freedom. Do you know your position is in Christ? If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Do you know this word is just like everyday living to you? Because it's your food. You're an eagle. You're an eagle. That's your food. If we could all stand and we'll sing that song, Healing is Here. If there's something, if there's a, something that weighs, if there's something that holds us back, God wants to come and bring us to a little bit more freedom, a little bit more liberty, a little bit more of the Spirit of God. Oh, healing is here. Yeah. 
Sickness can't stay here. Oh, sickness can't stay any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear. You are the God of all power. And it is your will that my life is healed. Sickness can't stay. Oh, sickness can't stay any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear. You are the God of all power. And it is your will that my life is healed. I reach my hands to the heaven. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. Freedom is here. Oh, freedom is here. Freedom is here. Freedom is here. And I receive it. Oh, freedom is here. Freedom is here. I just thinking about the statement I made Jesus saying that if you raise this body I'll raise it up that was a declaration to the Pharisees and I made the statement I can live over sin in myself I can't I want to make that very clear I can't I won't there will be things that but that's my confession I'm healed and it's it's your fighting words against the devil the devil comes with his rhetoric he comes to you know, in the, in the boxing ring, there'll be, a, there'll be a war of words and a war of fists. Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, you think of that fight, and Muhammad Ali saying, y- y- do you have enough, or whatever it was. That confession we make is so important. It's important to make sure the devil knows, I believe the word. I can live over sin. You did that last week. <laughs> Does God remember? I don't remember. What are you talking about? God set me free. It's funny. In in the temptations of Jesus, he said, it is written. It is written. And finally, he said, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes we just have to say, get behind me, Satan. God has mandated our freedom. Or if we could sing a fast song, it's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. That's the thing that's giving me the, the fire in my step, the fire in my bones, the thing that keeps me going. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. And it's keeping me alive. Keeping me alive. Keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. And it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. And it's all over me. And it's keeping me alive. Yes, it's keeping me alive. Keeping me alive. And it's all over me. And it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. Oh, and it's the whole 
Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive, keeping me alive, keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive, and I feel like praising, praising Him. Oh yes, I feel like praising, praising Him. Oh, praise Him in the morning, praise Him all day long. I feel like praising, praising Him. Oh yes, I feel like loving, loving Him. Oh, I like loving, loving Him. Love Him in the morning, love Him all day long. I feel like loving, loving Him, and I feel like serving. Well, I feel like serving, serving Him. Oh yes, I feel like serving, serving Him. Oh, serve Him in the morning, serve Him all day long. I feel like serving, serving Him. 